stay on top of the latest business and investment trends in ed tech. In this podcast, your host, Todd Hand, talks with thought leaders, executives, and investors to explore the latest in the education and technology space. Welcome to EdTech Leader Interviews. I am really excited to have my next guest with us, Jeannie Allen, founder and CEO at the Center for Education Reform. Hey, Jeannie. Hi, Todd. How are you? Good to talk again. I know we saw each other last week in New York at BMO. Uh, Great conference, right? It was amazing. The energy and the intellect uh, in all the rooms, fantastic. I totally agree. Now, you went into lots of the panels and the sessions. I don't make it in to, to many. And you, and you said that they were, each one was packed. They were packed and they were fascinating. I mean, you know, they covered and I, you know, I did one and then we covered all sorts of issues. Um, people talking about the future of higher ed, different technologies, transforming learning capital. I mean, just knowing that there are the kind of people of the caliber that are in so many of these rooms across the country who are investing in products, services, and people to help fix education is extraordinary. I think if more people knew about this, um, more people would be so much more satisfied with how things were going than they are. What was the panel that you did? Uh, So schooling in an age of choice. I moderated a panel with the head of the largest charter school network, the head of the group that serves the most special needs kids, um, and, uh, okay, good. So, uh, I had Mark Claypool, John Hage, um, and Jeff Cohen. Right. And John's on your board, right? John is, he's an old friend and he is actually our chair and he keeps, um, you know, saying he's going to resign any day and somehow he keeps staying. <laughs> no, <laughs> I make loves, life more difficult for people. He loves your group. So, and, and that's why we wanted to talk to here today because coming up at the end of October is the 25th anniversary of in celebration of the Center for Education Reform. And it's a big event in Miami. We're going to talk about that at the end of the podcast before we get there what other trends are you seeing? I mean, you, you've been in this space for a long, long time. So you, you've seen the education world change multiple times. You know, I, I have, and I, and I don't think we're over yet. There have been major shifts, some as large as earthquakes and others just kind of little runoff spills. But what we're seeing now, which is really, really gratifying, is this appreciation understanding that um, transformation in education, whether it's K-12 or higher ed or career pathways has to be about the learner being in the center of everything we're doing. It has to be personalized. Uh, It has to be competency-based. And no matter what kind of school you're in, public, private, you know, in any level, we have to be making sure we have to be focused on, in fact, the consumer wants to be focused on what they're getting. And there's never been so many people who had such agency and decision-making before. And it's causing both a lot of sweat and um, drama in traditional institutions, but it's causing excitement and opportunity in, um, in the market. Well, it's certainly causing chaos. I interviewed Jamie Candy for a podcast a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking, you know, when we all went through school, we were virtually put through the same obstacle course with the same mm-hmm. apparatus, the same length. It was the same type. It was like a one size fits all. And now in 2018, there are 
uh, countless different sizes and countless different paths. And it, it really does feel like it's being customized to the learner. It is. And I, and I think it's, it's a, still a challenge and it's still an uphill battle to break this monolithic system that still looks largely like it did in the 1850s. I mean, forget about any of the controversial issues out there, whether students and and less controversial than they were 25 years ago, but still to many in the establishment, letting kids choose schools they go to or creating brand new kinds of schools or having these public-private partnerships where businesses are actually helping run aspects of schooling. The whole idea of what goes on in the classroom turning it and flipping it, the word they like to use, where the teacher is really helping just direct and support and the student is engaging their stuff. I used to say, people would say to me, oh, our kids are different today. You have to treat them differently. And I'd say, oh, baloney, they're fine. They'll be, I'll raise them the way I was raised. You know, it's direct. But no, there actually are. They've grown up in an era of technology, of unprecedented consumer choice of collaboration, and they want something different. They need something different. For the people that are not familiar with the Center for Education Reform, you started this 25 years ago. What was your vision back in the early 90s? You know, the vision was really simple. It was, uh, there was no national group that was mainstream, not, you know, there were left and there were right, and there were lots of policy battles in Washington in particular, And yet there were all of these changes and interesting conversations about challenging the status quo happening at the state level and no one organization pulling it all together. So really the vision was to be a clearinghouse for information to help drive educational excellence. In fact, I just found the the opening postcard to inviting people to our first reception. And that's what it said, a clearinghouse for education. And I had worked in different positions in Washington and had been connected to a lot of people at the state level. And I'd be like, why aren't we watching what they're doing and bringing it back here? And people are like, yeah, yeah, no. And so I really thought there had to be one central place that people could go. And so we were sort of part Johnny Appleseed and part broker of people and ideas. And then it was extraordinary within the first few months we were getting calls from governors and legislators and the media and connecting them all. And so that was, that was how we started. And you are one of the most well-connected people in the for-profit education sector. For the people that are listening to this podcast, who are mostly executives, investors, thought leaders in education, who do you want to hear from? Who, who do you want to still connect with to help your organization and, and, and do what you're setting out to do? Well, I think all of the above have a role to play. You know, the, there's, there's, a, there's a question I get asked frequently from internally in my organization, who's your audience? And I go, yes, they all are. Because investors and business leaders and company execs um, have a huge role to play. They influence what happens at dramatic levels. Um, what they say and do in a marketplace Uh, drives people to make different decisions. And for too long, education people left them out. By the same token, we need education leaders, people who have understanding and appreciation of what's going on in the classroom and around schools. And we need entrepreneurs, and we need policymakers to do it. And then we need parents and grassroots folks to act on it. So we've always kind of said, if we're not talking to everyone and then helping to coalesce all of these different groups, we're not doing the job that we were founded to do. 
Right. It's, it's, a, it's about the whole ecosystem being vibrant and energetic and, and moving forward. Exactly. One of my favorite questions is, Jeannie, what are some underreported stories that you're seeing out there that you don't think are getting enough attention? Well, the stories that are underreported, we tend to try to cover in our you know, weekly newswire that we do and stuff, but there are just, there are literally thousands. I've been actually talking to some national media recently about why, why don't these things get covered more? I mean, we see the story about, you know, the water, you know, the bad water in Detroit, which is awful. Um, but I think the most unreported stories, and they're both sort of tales of woe as well as, you know, tales of success. You know, California legislature passed and the governor in California just signed a bill banning for-profit companies for working in education. So, I mean, that's just, it's just breathtakingly stupid and un-American on so many levels, in particular to schools. And they're not talking about, you know, buses. They're talking about organizations that actually help educate students. So I thought that was ridiculous and that's not well covered. You know, there's a new story out about, you know, millennials and how little they think about higher education, which is something we really have to pay more attention to. There are, you know, stories in just virtually every community where parents are breaking off from traditional schools and going to start their own schools and fighting to get them done. And we don't recognize how it's kind of like to Tocqueville's observation of America you know, 200 years ago that we develop and secure freedoms for ourselves every day that made us an extraordinary country and different from France and England and everywhere else is actually happening in schooling across the country. I think it's really exciting. We're running the chief marketing officer search for Pete Rupert's group, the Fusion Education Group. And what Fusion is doing in individual cities for parents with smart kids that are not fitting into the, either the public schools or the existing private schools and need one-on-one teacher attention is really, really exciting. I wish there was a fusion where I lived because I've, I've got right. a daughter that I think would really excel in that model. And so the more alternative models that come up, I, I think it's just, it's just a huge win-win for everyone. You know, I went to, a few, I went to his fusion school in Los Angeles um, a little over a year ago. And the environment was fascinating and the plan behind it and what you can do to accelerate your learning was fascinating. And I was telling somebody about it later and the chief marketing officer position is so important because as I was explaining it to this person, and this happens to in us in our industry, it happens every time we have a conversation with someone who's only used to what they grew up to have, as you were talking like with Jamie about this, they're like, well, wait a minute. So there's not a classroom. There's not people like they had in their mind. You know, they say when you talk to people, there's a picture. Their picture was the classroom with everyone looking ahead and the nostalgia and how good it is there. They couldn't understand how it would be possible to get educated with individual learning paths. I'm like, no, no, kids sit around and talk. Oh, they just talk. And so we have to break this cycle that the way we were educated is the way everybody else has to be educated. It's hard to change that paradigm. We have, we have visitors coming in this weekend uh, from across the country and they keep texting us, what's the weather supposed to be like? 
And our response is, you've got the same app as we do. <laughs> it's, you know, gone are the days where, you know, you only can get the weather from a local, you know, newscast or the local paper. So, you know, it, it, people need to change their paradigm. Exactly. I think the more we have examples of that, the more we can celebrate leaders, the more we can point this out, the more likely people are to understand it. But until then, you go back to school and everyone's nostalgic and the, the clothes are new and the backpack is new. And for those who don't have a backpack or those kind of clothes, they're just, those people are running a rat race. They're like, oh my gosh, I'm showing up again. And some woman or man is going to call me and tell me that little Joey misbehaved. And what am I going to do? Yeah. And you know what? Most people don't have anything they can do about little Joey because there's no other alternative. Let's segue to your big, big event. First of all, congratulations, 25 years. What an accomplishment. You've done such great work over a long, long period of time, and you are going to throw a party in Miami at the end of October. So tell us about that. Yes, I'm so excited. So thank you. It's our silver anniversary, and uh, we like to come up with a theme, and we decided that really the way we could pull this all together for the variety of people out there that are engaged in transforming the knowledge uh, universe, if you will, is to focus on expanding opportunity innovation across one America. So Miami, why Miami? It's the gateway to Latin America. It's a, it's a city and a state that has actually piloted and launched some of the biggest innovations in educational change over the last 25 years from different work with special needs kids to higher education innovations and online learning and blended learning to charters and to standards and you name it. Um, and of course, it's a hot place to be in the Mandarin Oriental. And we've got great rates actually that we have uh, negotiated for the weekend of the 26th. So we will have GSV and ASU and GSV are both partners in this endeavor. Our 25th is actually also going to be a ramp up to their 10th anniversary, and we are going to be building momentum for them towards all the work that they do in innovation across the country. So we have a phenomenal uh, lineup of people across all sectors, as we like to say, learners at all levels. We have higher education leaders from the president of Strayer, Brian Jones, and Andy Rosen of Kaplan, to the head of Strata Education, Bill Hansen. Jeb Bush, former governor of Florida, is our honorary chair. Michael awesome. Moe from GSV and Chris Whittle are co-chairs, along with Kevin Chavis, who is a noted author uh, and celebrated, celebrated advocate. And there's just a ton of great content and work uh, that's going to go on there, as well as a lot of fun. And then, on top of that, if that's not enough, we're celebrating seven uh, amazing heroes in education uh, innovation opportunity. Are those names released now or we have to wait until the event to hear who those seven are? No, we actually have, uh, have announced them and are promoting them. And it's Lisa Graham Keegan, who was a former public school superintendent in Arizona, who now helps run the chamber. John Hage from Charter Schools USA, the head of National Heritage Academies, J.C. Heizenga, former Wisconsin Governor Tommy Thompson, JSB's very own Deborah Quazzo, Academica's leader, Hernando Zulieta, and Strayer President Brian Jones. For the people that are listening to this, that are hearing about this for the first time, that are now interested in attending, where, where should we send them? 
You have to go to edreform.com and you will be presented with your options of where you go to learn more, sign up, um, and join us. And we are just, you know, we, the, room, the room is big. We'd love as many people as we can have, and we know that great things will come from it. Because the networking opportunities are also extraordinary. Yeah, look, it's really fascinating, and I'm really glad you brought that up. I mean, we've got, we've got education companies from around the world calling and asking us who's going to be there because they want to talk to investors. We've got investors coming and saying they want to talk to education companies. We have policymakers that want to put in place the things that education companies are doing, but they don't have a chance to meet them. Why? Because those people I'm suspecting listening to this, Todd, like you and I, don't, uh, we, go to, we go to events. Policymakers, legislators from you know Oklahoma or Maine or even California don't have time to go to events, nor do rank and file education leaders. And those are some of the people we're going to be attracting. So this will be the largest single event. Um, not, and I don't mean necessarily numbers, but it'll be the largest event that brings together people from each of those arenas. And we're already connecting them now. It's fascinating as they sign up and they're asking questions to be connected to people who are, who are going to be in the room. That's a really good point because, you know, for example, the BMO conference that you and I went to last week, that's predominantly executives and investors. And you don't have a lot of policymakers that go to BMO every September. So the fact that you're going to have a lot of those folks down in Miami really fills out that ecosystem that we we're talking about. Exactly. And, and, and by the same token, you know, it, because it will be a little bit more intimate, uh, you know, probably between 350 and 400 people, it's a little bit easier to navigate as well. And we are in the business of connecting. And so everyone who's in that room, we will make sure that they get to talk to and link up with folks who can try to help them make something happen. Terrific. Looking forward to being there. Okay, we're going we're gonna to wrap up with this final question. This is a question I ask all of my podcast guests. In fact, we, we also asked all of our executive candidate and interviews. We call that an off resume item. For, for you, we'll call it an off LinkedIn item. This is something that you wouldn't put on LinkedIn, but it's maybe a hobby, an interest, something about you, maybe a story that we don't know. I love everything about Italy, where my father was born and my mother's family came from. And I am doing everything in my power to try to increase commerce between the United States and Southern Italy, particularly when it comes to importing small product manufacturers and vineyards. Can we look forward to the 30th anniversary in Italy? <laughs> well, interestingly enough, I have connected with the University of Palermo and they're very interested in technology and being an incubator for something. So maybe Sicily's in your future, Todd. Let's make that happen. Thanks, Jeannie. <laughs> Thanks, Todd. Subscribe and share the podcast with industry colleagues and stay current on the latest business and investment trends in EdTech. For more podcast episodes, go to www.edtechleaderinterviews.com. Join us next time on EdTech Leader Interviews with Todd Hand. Todd Hand.